MSW Media. Hey, Dan, it's Patty Murin, Broadway's Princess Anna. Do you want to drink a bourbon? Yes, I do. Do I have a shot on Broadway? Sure. Well, pour yourself a glass, sit for a spill. It's time to have some fun. Let's do a little thinking, some picking and a drinking. But this is what we're drinking with Dan Dunn. Welcome, everybody, to the show. I'm doing a radio voice. No, but really, good to have you on this, the 172nd episode, full episode of What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn. We also do bonus episodes. Uh, We call those three-minute bartenders. And, wow, who knew we'd be going at it this long? The guest on today's show was supposed to be Hall of Fame basketball player Scottie Pippen, but at the last minute today, I found out Scottie Pippen had to postpone the interview, which would mean no show, also today, meaning today that you're listening to the show. It's a time warp thing going on here. So I I had to scramble. I'm feeling pretty nimble. I I quick on my feet. So I I pulled out my Rolodex. Yes, I still have a Rolodex. I pulled it out. Again, flipping through, who could fill Scottie Pippen's shoes? I got to figure Scottie Pippen's got big feet, like 14 or 15. But who could step in for him? And and I found just the guy. He um, Anybody who's been watching that popular Netflix docuseries, Bad Vegan, will recognize him. He plays a prominent role in that series. His name's Joey Repiche. I think I'm saying the last name correctly. And Joey's an old pal from the restaurant world, and he's also got a hot sauce that is just crazy good. People love it. He's based out of Oregon, called Joey's Hot Sauce. And we're going to talk about the hot sauce world, because hot sauce is, is big. It's big business these days. There's, you know, people get into hot sauce. When I was researching it, I went on YouTube, man, there's like 25, 30 shows dedicated to reviewing hot sauce and these shows are getting thousands and thousands of views it's crazy so joey's going to be joining me in just a little bit and i'm excited about that what else we got um i you know it had been a while since we busted out our segment here called what's driving me to drink but something happened the other day that i did drive me to drink so i feel like should we do it yeah let's do it it's driving me to drink. All right. So I, uh, the other night I was craving ice cream. About 8 o'clock at night, I'm at my house, and there's a market a few blocks away that I go to often just to usually pick up one or two items in a pinch. So I headed down there and got my ice cream. And I was like, oh, I need some creamer for the coffee and some sugar. A couple of them. I ended up getting about five or six items that I then brought to the counter. I did not recognize the young man at the counter. Maybe he was new or something, but he rings me up. I think it all came to about $16. And he rings it up, and he pushes the little card reader over towards me, and I pay for my items, at which point I noticed they're all scattered on the counter. And I said, hey, can I get a bag? And this seemed to, this threw him for a loop. He said, oh, man, you, uh, I wish you should have told me before I rang you up because the bag's 10 cents. And he said, do you have 10 cents? I did not have 10 cents. A look of abject confusion crossed his face. He was stymied. He simply did not know how to proceed from there. So I eventually jumped in and said, well, hey, man, if you want to just put a dime on there, I'll pay, I'll pay a dime on my credit card. I don't have any cash. And he said, he can't do that. It's $5 minimum for credit card so i guess we were at a crossroads a quandary so i suggested that it was only 10 cents and maybe he could just give me the bag and you know next time i come in i'll throw in an extra 10 cents but he didn't really want to do that 
He's like, um, I don't know. And I, apparently someone's there counting every fucking bag. They're talking about a little plastic bag. We're talking about a little tiny, like, plastic bag that you get in a, uh, in a, in a CVS or something. This, you could not fork that. Or those things are too valuable to just simply be giving away. My, the $16 I spent on these items was not enough. And so then he did some figuring in his head. And he, he, his solution he came up with is, what if I just back out all of this order and re-ring it up again, adding the 10 cents for the bag? Now, I should point out, a couple of times he, he put this on me, where he said, you know, I wish you would have told me. And, and I did respond to one point. I said, hey, man, look, I don't, I'm, this isn't my job. Like, you're the one that knows the bags are 10 cents. So knowing the bags are 10 cents, you should ask me if I want a bag before you ring me up. It's not, the onus isn't on me. It's on you. This is an item you're charging me for. So if you think it's a possibility that I might need that item, you should ask. Anyway, so the, the suggestion, he backs the whole thing out and then rings it up again. I said, no, look, if you're going to back it out, man, just back it all out and I, I'll go somewhere else and get my stuff. This is crazy. So ultimately he agreed to float me a bag. But I mean, I'm talking this was a good five, six, seven minute ordeal before we got to the point where he felt the best course of action would be to simply give me the the plastic bag that cost about 0.001 cent for them to make and let me go on my way with my $16 worth of goods. And that's that's how it went. But I'll tell you what, I got home, I had a drink. It drove me to drink. Also, sign that the world is sort of getting back to normal. I got invited to go to Scotland this summer, and I think I might go. Uh, Brand, I'm not going to say who the brand is yet because I haven't decided it for sure, but they invited me. They're going to be having a a big old party over there to celebrate their scouts. They're going to be having a Kaylee. A Kaylee is a social gathering where it's customary for, well, men and women go, but a lot of men, Scotland, there's a lot of men in Scotland. It's kind of customary. Men go to these Kayleys and they drink and they sing and they dance and they drink some more and they flirt and drink. Oh, and they wear man skirts. Do you know these man skirts? They call them kilts. Now I have donned a kilt numerous times in my life, but I got to tell you, if you thought getting a skirt off was a pain in the ass, guys, wait until you try putting one on. I think kilts are like the, um, the unwieldy condoms of the garment world. They're very difficult. Now you can, again, I talked earlier, go online, go on YouTube, and you will find lots of videos that talk about proper kilt wearing, how to do it. But I also have some tips. When you're donning this elaborate getup, accessorizing is important. First up, you need to immerse yourself. Immerse. See what I did there? Kilts don't have pockets. Because pockets are for pansy-ass pussies that wear pants because they're not secure enough in their manhood to rock the tartan pattern wool skirt. Well, not me. You? Are you a pansy-ass pussy, are you? Are you? Of course you're not. You wouldn't be here with me. Still, you're going to need a place to carry your unwieldy condoms, so it's acceptable when wearing a kilt, and only then, to sport a leather man purse or merce. They call it a sporan over there, S-P-O-R-R-A-N. And the proper way to wear one is centered to the front apron of the kilt below the belt covering your junk, okay? Speaking of which, no tidy whities kilt. No undergarments of any kind for that matter. Not if you want to be looked upon as a true Scotsman, a term that originated centuries ago when the kilt was part of the Scottish military uniform. Of course, those were more hirsute-friendly times, if you get my drift. And these days, some pre-Kaley manscaping is recommended in the event you're called upon to lift skirt and prove your Scott bona fides. And that will happen. Oh, it will, once the whiskey's flowing. What else? Oh, banging hose. You gotta have your banging hose. Socks. That's right, your hose. They call them hose. Your socks are to be worn two to three fingers width below the bottom of the kneecap. If you wear them any higher, people might think you're a total wanker or worse, English. You gotta be the shoes. Remember that, come here. Gotta be the shoes. The shoes. The proper footwear. Wingtips without tongues. That's right. 
That's the proper footwear for the kilt-wearing gentleman. Only they don't call them wingtips in Scotland. They call them ghillie brogues or lad shoes. Ah, oh, the Scots. They're so cute when they make their funny talk. Of course, no Scottish kilt ensemble is complete without the piece de resistance. Sorry, Scott, that's French. I don't know how to say that in Gaelic. Uh, but you got to have a deadly weapon. That's right. All right, it's just a skinning knife, and they call it a Sean Dub. Uh, it's small and light enough, you could even tuck it in your sock. That's not to say you can't use it to gut the first loudmouth asshole makes fun of the fact that you're dressed like a lesbian sheep herder. Not that I'm advocating violence, mind you. Oh, no, 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 not at all. I'm simply advocating for a world without assholes, where proud Scottish cultural enthusiasts, such as myself, can get drunk and freeball it in a skirt without fear of ridicule and scorn. It's like a gay pride parade, but for straight guys with funny accents. And for the final word on kilts, I, I actually uh, found a wee poem by the late, great Robert William Service. How grand the human race would be if every man would wear a kilt. A flirt of tartan finery instead of trousers, custom-built. Nay, do not think I speak to joke. You know I'm not that kind of man. I am convinced that all men folk should wear the costume of a clan. Imagine how it's broad and clean as in the wind it flutters free, and so conducive to hygiene in its sublime simplicity. No fool fly buttons to adjust. We shanks and maybe buttocks bare. Oh, shills, just take my word on trust. A bonnie kilt's the only wear. Folks, you ready for some tough love? You ready to hear a hard truth? Okay, good, because I'm going to lay it on you. You can buy the finest, fanciest, most expensive spirits in the world to make craft cocktails at home, but if you use crap mixers, you're going to get crap drinks. Let's face it, whipping up cocktails at home can be an expensive hassle. That's why my fridge is always well-stocked with Fresh Victor. Fresh Victor is a line of all-natural, clean-label cocktail mixers that brings the magic of Master Mixologist into your home. All the ingredients are fair trade sourced. There's no artificial anything. The mixers are produced at a 100% solar-powered juicing plant with absolutely no waste. Fresh Victor features seven unique blends with contemporary flavors designed to suit any palate. There's delicious combos like pineapple and ginger root, which I love with a little vodka, cactus pear and pineapple, which I love with a little vodka, and cucumber and lime. I put rum in that one. And right now, right now, Fresh Victor is offering a funky fresh deal to my listeners. Simply go to freshvictor.com, fill up your shopping cart with some great mixers, and at checkout, enter promo code WWD20, that's what we're drinking, WWD20, to get 20% off your order. So if you order $50 worth of mixers, it'll only cost you 40 Yeah. You're welcome. Go to FreshVictor.com, fill up your shopping cart, and at checkout, enter promo code WWD20 to get 20% off your order. That's fresh. Stay thirsty, my friends. Joining me now, old buddy of mine. This is an interesting thing that happens when you live in Los Angeles. Invariably, you will be watching a television show or a movie, and you'll see something go, wait a minute. That's such and such from wherever, where it's really cool is when you see something on like a scripted show or a movie and you realize, oh, that was my old bartender, man. Great. He landed a gig or she landed a gig on this show. It's awesome. So had that happen uh, last week. I, I There was a lot of a lot of buzz about this Netflix docuseries, Bad Vegan. So I'm like, I got to check this thing out. I heard it's almost too unbelievable to be true. And I start watching it, and almost immediately into it, as a four-part series, been the first episode, I go, hey, it's Joey. Look at that. And now he's with us uh, right now. Joey Rapice, right? Am I saying it right? Beautiful. That's great pronunciation. That's the best I've heard in a while. How you doing, man? Good, brother. Thanks, man. It's great to see you. It's great to see you. Yeah. And now, so you know, Joey used to manage... One of the best places in Los Angeles over here in Venice uh, called Scopa. Joey was running the place, and I, I was a regular there. This is pre-COVID. 
And uh, that's how we met. And then Joey up and decided to to go pursue his passion. And he mm. did it. He he his wife loved loves hot sauce. And she was dismayed to find that a lot of the commercially available hot sauces contained a lot of shit, sugar and artificial ingredients. And Joey, being a an A plus husband, decides to right. work out a little hot sauce recipe just for his wife. Right? Am I getting this correct? Yeah, this that's, that's really good. That's really good. So yeah. you make this hot sauce, and your wife just flips and like, this is the best hot sauce I ever had, and and you give it to some friends, and they feel the same way, and that is the kernel. That's the seed from which. Your empire grew. Joey's hot sauce, right? Now tell us where Correct. it went from this there. This is great. Yeah, I mean, you know, Lisa was just looking at all the hot sauce that was on the market. It had fillers, binders, glycosphate, all that crazy stuff in our food industry that's broken. And I was inspired. It wasn't like Lisa was there, make me a hot sauce, Joey. <laughs> it wasn't anything like that. It was just really that, you know, I was I have so much love. Our connection is just incredible. So I felt inspired to make her one. And I was in Mar Vista and I was at the farmer's market and I was like, oh, look at these hot peppers. So I just filled it up in my basket, went home, used my mama's Italian skills. And I've been in the restaurant industry for over 20 somewhat years. I've been talking with chefs forever. And, you know, I'm great. I'm not to be, you know, modest. I feel like I'm a great cook and, you know, in traditional Italian dishes. So I just like, said, I'm going to make Lisa the best hot sauce she ever tasted. And I, I put it together and she was blown away. You know, I, I was telling, you mentioned Scopa. I was telling Mishka, the bartender over there. And I was like, hey, man, I made Lisa hot sauce last night. He was like, you did what? He goes, I want some. And then just off the top of my head, I said, yeah, 10 bucks. And he was, <laughs> and he said, yeah, whatever. And uh, I went home and I emptied out a bottle of hot sauce that I bought in the store and took off the label, threw it in the dishwasher and filled up Mishka's first bottle. And then that planted the seed, like maybe other people might want this kind of hot sauce. And, you know, it's funny because I never had any intention and stylistically, you know, the hot sauce, the way that I make it, it's, it's really not so many people roast. It's very seldom do you find hot sauces roasted and, and it's not really vinegar forward. A lot of hot sauces are vinegar forward. Mine's more pepper forward and i'm blending hot and sweet peppers so it has like this rich depth of flavor well you the consistency on it is kind of unlike any hot sauce i'm from and again when you get this commercially available the big stuff and not knocking some of those hot sauces they're really you know they're good too but but they're they tend to be very it's a liquid you know yours is almost like a paste to a degree yeah exactly it's thick and it's and i you know i'm not a traditionally someone who goes in for hot sauce but i have several bottles of yours here and i like to mix it in i I do uh i'll do my eggs i do my um uh, and the breakfast burrito and i'll put some of your hot sauce on there and and uh honestly man i i had a had a a nasal thing going on for a while and i started putting a little extra hot sauce because that stuff clears you right out man. it it really does and so i i just think it's amazing that you that you went for it and it kind of, I mean, I've seen a lot of reviews online. There's a lot of, I mentioned, I alluded to this earlier in the show. There are a lot of people that review hot sauce on YouTube and yours has been reviewed and very, very favorably. Yeah. You know, what's wild about the hot sauce community is that a lot of them are like striving for like really intense heat. And as much as I love heat, I, I for me, it's a little bit more about flavor than annihilating your palate with heat. So I try to find ride that edge, you know, and a lot of these guys that like review a lot of really hot, hot sauces, they're, they're always like flavor, you know, they score it a 10, you know, one out of 10. And then when they say heat, you know, it's more like a five. And then that's the hottest sauce they make for them is like a five as opposed to, you know, you know, me and, and I'm okay with that, honestly, because like, it's not for me, it's more about 
that depth of flavor and bringing it in. I cook with my hot sauce. That's another thing I do too. It's like, I, I do like delicata squash and, you know, just put a little of that hot sauce, that truffle hot sauce on there and just put a little salt and pepper and you roast it and it kind of bakes into like vegetables that you cook. I do a lot of meal preps. You, you do that into like squashes and, and the more hotter ones, I do some like marinades with like chicken, it's it's more like kind of a, a cooking companion. It makes your food like flavorful without having to work so hard, you know? Well, I'm, I, I'm with you on that, man, in terms of, you know, I you mentioned the hot sauce community, which is funny, but it's absolutely true. There are people huge. that this is a giant passion for a lot of people. But I'm with you, man. There's that competitive nature to it, almost like who can bear it? You know, who can stand the heat, right? Yeah. And I get it, and I get why people are like that, and, and it's it's the thing that fuels, you know, everything from skydiving. Like, they want to, people want to push the limit. But yeah. with yeah, me- Yeah, the one-chip challenge. And I don't like, want to be- like gagging and yeah. tearing. Don't want to be, I don't want to be uncomfortable when I eat. I, I don't mind a little heat in my food, but mm-hmm. I want it to be- complimentary i don't want it to be the thing i don't want the, the, the entire purpose of eating to be can i blow my fucking palate out right now? <laughs> which is what a lot of these things do but yours yours is really now you so you you took the show you left los angeles you went to mm-hmm. oregon is that is your wife from oregon I'm or just- southern, no we have friends that lived out here in southern oregon we're in ashland it's like a little shakespeare a little downtown really cool cool community and you know, I, we just, I looked at what it would take to launch out here. Can I source the peppers? And it just felt a, a lot less, you know, we were bootstrapping. So we weren't necessarily had this like financial backing to like, you know, launch it. LA is, is an amazing industry, you know, amazing clientele, but it's, it's just a little more challenging to like launch a brand out there unless you have to like, you know, well, you crowd, you crowdfunded, you crowdfunded. Yeah, I do. Crowdfunded. I believe I was a, uh, I believe yes, I put in a little bit of cash. Thank not much. much. I think it was like Thank 50 or a hundred bucks or something, but whatever it was, I was oh, no, shipping in to do I'm my grateful. part right back in the day. Well, that's the thing, man, is like, you know, you, I don't pr- purport to know you well, but I would see you all the time in Scopa. And I was always like, this is a guy that is sharp. This is a guy that, you have a good energy about you, and I could see why you would be successful in in doing something like this because I feel like your enthusiasm shines through in whatever it is you're doing, and so you know, and people sort of uh, gravitate towards that. Appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, at the farmers markets, there's no better test. You know, you're I'm doing a lot of like special events and like the farmers markets. They come over to the booth and. Um, you know, I have three different levels of heat and I have this like truffle hot sauce that's named after my wife, Lisa, the truffle queen. <laughs> and, you know, it's not like, you know, truffle extract, truffle flavor, you know, truffle essence, which is what you see a lot of truffle products out in the world. I'm at, you know, look at that. What a concept. I'm actually buying truffles and blending it into the sauce. So it's an actual truffle. You get the flavor that umami is coming from the actual truffles. It's got 10 grams of real wild forged truffles, you know, in every five ounce bottle. Who do you got to know to get some of that? No. Um, well, that's what, that's what I was going <laughs> to, interesting because you hear these stories. So you talked about earlier, you have a background in the restaurant business, obviously, and we, we are going to talk about bad vegan shortly, Yeah, but also- you know, you mentioned your family and you learn how to cook from your mom. And did you know how to make, you didn't make a hot sauce before, right? You just, you figured it out and you didn't know how to market. You didn't know how to market. You didn't, you never ran a business like this. And I just find that so impressive. Uh, anybody, I mean, I'll say it with podcasting, right? Like when I started, I didn't know what I was doing. I, I just got all my stuff and you just tell people if you're passionate about it, you'll figure it out. You'll figure out a way to make it work. And I just found it with you. It's so interesting that this is what I want to know, though. How do you scale the business? You mentioned going to uh, farmers markets and whatnot, but how do you how do you go up against the big boys? You know, the Tabascos and all that. I mean, not that you're ever going to really necessarily. You're not trying to get that audience, but I mean, how do you get in the grocery stores? How do you get national distribution? How does that work? You know, we're we're at the stage where you know we've. 
we're in about 40 different places here in Southern Oregon and a couple spots in New York. Cause I'm originally from the East coast, uh, really a big shout out to the Bedford cheese shop. Um, they just reordered things, guys. That's really awesome. I really love that place. Um, live live and, and, um, high vibe. Those guys are in on the East coast. Uh, we got Gary Knowles, a couple spots that I'm, I'm in on the, on the, on the East coast. So aside from that, I've really focused locally and, you know, we keep growing. We're in the market of choices. While I was out here in Bend, we did a little store demo and that's a lot of fun, you know, people tasting the sauce. So to scale it from here, you know, I think the next um, step is to essentially partner with a co-packing facility that understands what you're doing. It's either it's either we get like the the funding to be able to make our own hot sauce hub where we're just like cranking out sauce 24 seven or we partner with a co-packing facility. Um, We're looking at distributors at this stage. We've been discussing it with uh, Buffalo Market. And they seem to be a good partner to like go into more distribute. You know, we, we're just going to partner with the right distributor. There's a couple of East Coast distributors. So if it gets to the point where, you know, what I'm producing currently doesn't seem to be enough, it's either I have to get a couple more days at the commercial kitchen space. There's a couple different options, you know. But you're, you're, um, you, you have your eye on the prize. You are looking to move. I'm curious when you mentioned this community of hot sauce, is it competitive? Like, do you get people like, oh, fuck him, man. You know, like, oh, fuck that. Oh, sauce. for sure. And, like, and I, I, you, yeah. you find yourself tasting, tasting other people's hot sauce and, and being very, uh, you know, critical of it, or, or do you embrace, you know, the challenge? I, mean, I, I, I admire anyone's passion. You know, what it really boils down to is this. I admire anyone's passion. But I also see and recognize stylistically what I offer to like there are a ton of like hot ones that's like put so many hot sauces on the map, you know, and that show like it's it's extremely popular, you know, but I I feel like I offer something, you know, a organic, not a lot of organic hot sauces out there. B, I'm not using any fillers or binders. Uh, Again, I'm doing apple cider vinegar and Himalayan salt and turmeric and black pepper and and i have this different melody of like different peppers that i that i'm using that i blend you know some habaneros just to bring in some heat but it's more about like that flavor and the roasting you know not really you know vinegar forward and and more about roasted peppers i feel like stylistically there's very few and far in between in fact i've looked at other co-packing facilities and i'm telling you hardly any co-packing or co-packers out there are are roasting their peppers it's time consuming it's like you know it's a whole massive you need massive oven space to order to scale this but there's nothing like it you know if you're going to put all the ingredients in a pot and just get it up to temp and season it with like onion powder and garlic powder that's not going to do the same thing as if you roast those peppers and the fact that I'm not using any sugar, because a lot of times the heat is offset by sugar, you know, the, I get the sweetness from the roasted mini sweet peppers. And that's, where, where you are know, you getting the? Do you have a specific uh, vendor that you're buying your oh, peppers currently from? Currently, I work with organically grown. Uh, I source peppers histori- like where I am, like this time of the year, we're at the very tail end of the, the Mexican habaneros, and then it goes into the California. There's usually a gap in between seasons. So we're going to go into California and then it'll be California slash Oregon. And I where I pr- produce the sauce, which is really awesome. I've partnered with the Fry Family Farm and they're an organic, you know, like uh, amazing organic facility that, you know, they're farmers and I get the peppers right from them. So they'll be harvesting that week and, and I'll be producing the sauce that weekend. I was going to say, so how long is it from field to bottle? Uh, well, when it comes down to the locals project, we're talking about in the same week, uh, as far as sourcing it organically from like Mexico and California, it has to be fresh regardless. It's all kept refrigerated, but, and it's all USDA certified organic, but, uh, there's nothing like just getting it right from like the, the field that they, they harvest that week and, you know, yeah, producing this. Yeah. Well, speaking of getting it, someone now listening to this show in Colorado, how do they get your sauce? 
Yeah, joeyshotsauce.com. You so know, you'll ship like, it. You'll ship it out. Oh, yeah. All throughout the U.S., I'll ship it. You know, um, you get I get some of these what we call Joey Selects. And those are really kind of like these like micro batches that I'm going to be focusing on. I'm going to make like a uh, Calabrian chili fatale one that I have my my eye on in the middle of summer. I'm going to be producing these like micro batches. I still have a uh, Joey Select made with uh, scotch bonnets. I got limited that stuff left um you know we're looking at doing like smaller like you have to be on our mailing list to kind of know about that so if you're on our website just sign up to the mailing list and we'll let you know when these micro batches are being made and yeah we have a pretty flourishing online business that we're going to be you know ramping up as well you know we have a couple meetings set up um at the in the middle of this week to hopefully you know be able to to scale and 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 uh, expand our business. You know, it's very competitive uh, and there are a lot of hot sauces, but there are a lot of, there's nobody doing what we're doing in the field. You know, there's a lot, but there's not a lot of people doing what we're doing. I was going to say, let's take a, um, let's take a quick break and then we're going to come back and we're going to talk to Joey about baby. But you know what? Since I have you, I'll just do the, I'm going to do the ad. It's called a live read, Joe. Ready? Ready for this? We're going to do, we'll, we'll talk about it. Cause I feel like this is a brand that is uh, that is near and dear to what you're doing, to what your mission is. Okay, so Joe, you've uh, you've worked in bars and the restaurants. Uh, you've probably enjoyed a little bit of the rum from time to time, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Sure. So now doing what you do, everything's organic, everything's natural. Batiste rum, have you heard of it? I, I can't say I have. Well, no. it is no. the first sustainable American craft rum. Their proprietary production process from ground to bottle rigorously reviewed and validated as being carbon negative. Do you know what that means? Because I don't. Do you know I what do that? know what carbon negative All right. Well, what is it? Regenerative agriculture. That's it. There you go. So it's the only known beverage alcohol in the world to have a climate positive natural production process without the purchase of carbon offsets. What are they? Joey, what are carbon offsets? Poison to the planet. Poison. That's, that's right. The poison to the planet, right? So you, Joey agrees. Now we, we're going to... So, okay, it's made from... Uh, Batiste Rum's made from 100% pure fresh cane juice, not molasses or sugar crystals. And uh, if you like your tequila, 100% agave, you're going to like your rum, 100% uh, cane juice. Again, regen- what is that word you said? Regenerative? What was Regenerative it? agriculture. That's See? my favorite. See? Yeah. Already knew it. You know what? Batiste rum, I like to call them the 3R rum because you're right, Joey. They do practice regenerative agriculture. They also use renewable energy and they make responsible choices. See that? Three R's. Get it? See what happened there? I see it. I'm good at this. You like this. See what I'm doing? You're a master. Yeah, thanks. You're a master. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Right. So, all right. Uh, and right now, and Joey, I'm going to get you a bottle of Batiste rum. I will do that. I think we could see a swap coming. Maybe you send them some hot sauce. They send you some rum. All right. So right That's now, fun. right now, Batiste rum has not one, but two kick-ass offers for my listeners. That's you. Go to BatisteRum.com. That's B-A-T-I-S-T-E-R-H-U-M. Uh, fill up your cart. Enter code WWD15 at checkout to get 15% off all orders. And if you want to try their delicious reserve rum, Joey, you want to try it, right? You want it, right? The reserve rum. Well, then all you got to do is enter code reserve and you get 20% off the reserve. Folks, Batiste rum is the absolute shiz. It's proof that great taste with true sustainability is not a goal for tomorrow, but a reality today. And now, a word from one of our dream sponsors, Blatt's Beer, circa 1950s. You know, if I didn't have the can right in my hand, I'd say this beer came straight from the tap. Hold everything. Let's hear that again. If I didn't have the can right in my hand, I'd say this beer came straight from the tap. Blatt's tastes so good because it's all draft brewed. Some brewers make a different beer for bottles and cans than they do for the tap. But we take our draft brewed beer, pasteurized of course, bottle it, and can it. That's why Blatt's tastes so good. I'm from Milwaukee, and I ought to know why Blatt's beer tastes great wherever you go. All Blatt's is draft brewed, that's why you hear. Blatt's is Milwaukee's finest beer. Draft brewed Blatt's, Milwaukee's favorite premium beer, now at local prices. 
Joey, now we got to talk about the uh, how we came back together. I'm watching this bad vegan. If you haven't seen it, folks, it's on Netflix. You probably heard it was the number one show on Netflix for a while. Now, I watched this on the heels of watching this other show, which was called The Tinder Swindler. This is a very similar type of story. Now, I'll give you the nuts and bolts, and then Joe, and I'll let Joey jump in from there. Basically, uh, the there's a woman who... Be, uh, what's her name? Smarm? Sarma Melangelis. Sarma Melangelis had a restaurant in New York City. Go ahead, Joey, you tell the story. <laughs> yeah, well, Sarma, she owned this place called Pure Food and Wine. And uh, I was the longest standing employee over there. It was a, a fine dine, raw food, vegan restaurant way ahead of its time. I, I curated, you know, all organic uh, wine list that it was like organic, biodynamic and sustainable wine list. We had a sake curated cocktail list that was uh, using fresh juices before it was like, you know, like the revolution of like, bar- like in my day when I was working that that restaurant like there was very very few places using fresh juices we were all in like that from concentrate you know um sector in in the bartending industry you know we were we were not using fresh juices so we were cutting edge on many levels this was a, it was a hot place and and as the documentary oh, points out spot. all the celebs are cut bill clinton's in there and and yep. alec baldwin who apparently was, was smitten by uh by Sarma, uh, yeah. and, and yeah. beautiful woman and, and bright and smart and all of these things that would belie what would come later, which I still can't wrap my head around. And I'm still not convinced that she wasn't in on it. And I'm not, which is she meets this guy who's this toxic, clearly toxic individual and clearly a con artist. And yeah. it, sim, anybody that's seen the Tinder swindler, swindler will recognize very similar pattern. This guy comes into his her life. He's got a very mysterious career. He cl- claims he's like in the CIA and black Yikes. ops and all this. And and then he starts hitting her up for money repeatedly over and over again. And then there's also some cult-like thing called the family that he's involved in where he needs her to keep passing tests to prove her loyalty and as you'll be shocked you won't be so shocked to know the test included just giving him all of her fucking money and she keeps doing it oh and i'm looking at her and i'm going what's wrong like i'm she went she's seemingly put together person who everybody there including yourself seemed to really care about and love she went to freaking Penn Wharton business school. She's not yeah. a dumb person. S- looks like she also came from a pretty good family. Her, her dad is, is in the documentary, her sisters, and they all seem to, ca- how is she not recognizing what's happening here? This guy keeps asking her from, he's saying he's captured and he's being held prisoner and you got to send me $20,000 and what's going on Joey with her? Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's mind bending. I mean, coercive control is one person that really kind of opened me up to really understanding, you know, that it's something that she was ramped up as far as her being in on it. I honestly, I don't can't fathom her being in on like destroying her life. You know, essentially what she did was just, she destroyed everything. She worked so hard to our first five years there. I was there you know, just, we were all collectively trying to make that place better. And little by slowly, it started becoming like this trendy place. It wasn't coining money, like when our first five years, but we finally got to that place where the place was really, it was a hot spot. And, and, and our potential was just, you know, we, we could have like had juice bars nationwide, you know, we were ahead of the curb. She had the world at her feet. Well, she talks about this in the documentary that there, there had been, uh, people were reaching out about opening other locations, even in other countries. As Joey says, everything is suddenly clicking and humming along. And then she meets this guy. At first he comes off like he's got money, you know, he comes in, he's rolling in with his SUVs. He's, you know, kind of projecting that he's got all this money. And, and I know, you know, he was really smart. The guy was like, really, you know, a lot of people like downplay, like he was really smart. He would sit there at the bar with me because I was bartending and I was the beverage director. And, and he would like sit there and like kind of sess me out, like how long you've been here and just ask all these key questions. And then he'd talk about, you know, 
We're going to expand the business. We're, and you've been here so long, so dedicated. You know, we're going to get you some equity. You know, he would say things like that. And, you know, a person that's just working hard and, you know, no intention of like equity, you know, like, wow, that's like, that would be amazing if we expanded and I got some equity. You know, he would say things to kind of like, he knew how to like build a person up and build this kind of like trust. And, you know, you know, she was a very kind of like, quiet person, you know, doesn't really like share her personal life, you know, in general. Um, so I feel like that really worked in his favor because she didn't really have someone that she was close to like, sharing her life with and these things starting to happen and people would have hit the red flag. Yo, yo, get out of this thing. This is no good. She didn't really have that person in her life. And I feel the more that well, it, it seemed like up, it seemed like it was you guys, at least from the documentary. Now, here's what I would say is granted, I understand in the documentary they feature a lot of audio footage. So she got to the point where she was recording their conversations. So I, I understand that by that point things were going wrong because when my impression of the guy based on a lot of the audio and so it's just like he was this overbearing uh bully okay with her you know at least into fucking fuck every other words fuck this fuck fuck you fucking you know fucking send me some fucking money and and i'm going well how she get now obviously there was the, the charming part that i didn't get to see which would maybe that's the grooming stage of it early yeah. on but i do there was some audio in there that 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 goes to what you were saying joey where he came in and basically had a staff meeting because this point by this point they'd been married yeah. they're married now so the business is also his by marriage and he comes in and he has a staff meeting and they're not paying their employees like that's what's going on is they're not making payroll because she's giving all of her money to him right mm -hmm. and he's yeah. and he's to the tune of up close to two million dollars and he's not paying her back he's and so she doesn't have the money to pay and she's taking out loans from people i mean she's trying to do the right thing while simultaneously doing the absolute wrong thing and letting this scam artist get pulled one up. But in the meeting with you guys, I, I remember one of the things he said is, you're all going to be paid back tenfold. Yep. But then right after that, pretty much everybody across the board said by that point, they knew it was complete bullshit, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, there were rumors going on about the guy for quite some time at that stage. We hadn't been getting paid. He was trying to frame it as if like, oh, we want to make it look bad for the initial investors. We can buy them out. So when we go national, you know what I mean? That was kind of how it was being presented. And, you know, it's just really pulling us along. And next thing you know, we didn't get our, like they paid us, like they got us up to speed. And then, then the, another paycheck cycle, like, you know, it bounced, people's paychecks were bouncing Jesus. and it was just like, Hey, you know, Everyone's ready. Everyone's going to walk out. I would text message Sarma. I emailed Sarma. I tried calling her. I'm like, hey, if you don't get over here and you don't pay these people, you're going to lose everything you worked hard for. And that was the case. Everyone just walked Everybody walked. sent an email that was just like- But Joey, you know, this is the other part. When you say about the grooming and how he maybe he brainwashed her over a long period of time, but very early on when she first met the guy- it was mm -hmm. discovered early on he was going by the name Shane. Yeah. And almost right away, they, the simple Google search reveals that he's not who he says he was and that he was yeah. actually a guy named Anthony who had done uh -huh. some jail time for being a con artist. So yeah. how – how this is where I can't compute it. And I'm not – I don't know. Yeah, and, I mean, and look, how does someone who's that's running one of the most running a successful restaurant? She's bright. She's smart. She, how does at that moment does she not go? And it's not, by the way, and I, I don't want to sound shallow, but it's not like this guy was Brad Pitt either, and she was just <laughs> blown. Like he's a fat fuck, right? I mean, like and not, no, no offense, but she's a super attractive woman, and this guy's a. The, he looks like he's 300 pounds and he's crude and he's looks like a, you know, he looks like a fucking, uh, like a guy from the Sopranos. Like what, you know, what I was going to, and you're yeah, like, what, what's the exactly attraction? Right it can't be physical. <laughs> it can't be physical. You know, I think he, there were a couple of factors. I think he offered like this level of protection toward her because of his massive size. And, and she like have a history of really like, you know, unhealthy relationships. And, and then there's the, the, the element of addiction here, you know, um, there's, he's addicted to like gambling and 
And I feel like there's an addiction as a codependent, like being addicted to the, like, she's just enabling him, you know, being addicted, being addicted to an asshole. And it's true. It is true though, because you see that so much. It's like, why you always get, why does she keep going back to this guy? Not just her, but in general, like whether the guy's, whether he's a drinker or he's violent or whatever it is. And you go, how, where does that disconnect go from somebody else, from somebody who seems otherwise fully capable of functioning in society is rendered incapable of saving themselves from these toxic relationships. And it really did cost her everything. Everything, everything, everything. And she's still trying to, you know, recover from that. I, I think, you know, she has a book in the work and, you know, hopefully she can get some kind of like compensation for, for the book because she literally destroyed everything she worked for. You know, a lot of people, you know, uh, Brian Callen, he was like, I was listening to his podcast the other day and he he had me cracking up. He was just like thinking, you know, she was totally in on it. And I, I understand too how people feel that way. Because I feel like she just got out of prison and they were t- filming this documentary. And I don't even think she kind of wrapped her mind about what had happened to her fully. I don't think she fully processed that. Well, that, that's what it is, Joey, is when you're watching the documentary, whenever they would try and dive in, delve into. So, for instance, when they're on the road for several months and they would yeah. ask her, like, well, what were you thinking when and she would just go, I don't know. I don't know. It was almost like she suffered some head trauma or something like yeah. where, you yeah. know, like where she just seemed out of it. And you're going, what do you mean you don't know? Like, are you not, you have a restaurant back in New York City that's gone. It's like, when, uh, I'm so frustrated. I'm very it's, frustrated. It's, I get it. You know, it's, it's, there's a lot of mysteries that are associated to this. And, you know, I, I don't have a, a clear understanding of what, what, you know, inspired or, or compelled her to do such. Um, but how do you feel about, how do you feel? Cause it seemed like you had a genuine bond with her. Certainly that came mm-hmm. through. How do you feel about it and her? Like, do you feel sorry for her or do you feel like she deserves you what know, happened I, to her? I, I went through a really like emotional roller coaster ride with it all. You know, I, I invested 10 years of my life to that restaurant and, you know, the success of that restaurant. I feel like the, co- the collective team we had there were part of that success. And, you know, to have that pulled out from underneath our feet was, you know, I, I was I was really angry at her at one stage when she was reopening. If you remember the documentary, it, she was like relaunch. She, you know, raised some money. She was going to relaunch. And uh, I, I got to talking to her and she was telling me about like, oh, you know, like, uh, I don't know, you know, like when we were talking about me being a part of the next phase of it. And she said something to the extent about it being about the money for me. And I'm like, I just uh, I was super triggered. I'm like, about the money? Like. Uh, you know, I was making nothing there for, for the longest time, like the longest standing employee, you know, like I was just so angry at her, you know, I was like yelling at her at the phone and that the whole thing brought me out to LA. Cause that's what brought me out to the West coast. I, I was like comfortably in, uh, you know, New York, uh, we, my, my now wife, my fiance at the time, we were living in the West village. We had a, you know, a really comfortable lifestyle. I loved being there. I loved being a New Yorker for, for a long period of my life, you know, and to have all that basically pulled out. Um, I just went through those emotions for a while. I couldn't, when they first approached me about the documentary, I'm like, are you going to like make a victim out of her? And, and they said, you know, we're in the pursuit of, of the truth. And I was like, all right, I'll participate about being in the pursuit of truth. Cause I kind of want to know what's going on too. And um, and even after that documentary, like released when I watched it, it had a lot of mixed emotions around that. And then I was interviewed by a, a woman called Laura. She does, you know, crime analysis. And, and I felt like she gave me some insight to like, you know, the coercive control, but it's still, you know, a big, you know, mystery about, you know, I, I want nothing but goodness for Sarma because I honestly don't think that she did this by any kind of intention, you know, the, I don't think that she was like participant. Like, I don't think that she was doing 3d chess about s- selling a book to a movie, but let me destroy my life to maybe sell it as a book for a movie, you know, in the future, I highly doubtful, you know, for me at least, you know, so I, you know, I think that she is, and I've seen her conduct herself like people in the restaurant needed money and she would, you know, help people out. And, you know, she, 
she was a, a great boss for many years. So I don't really have like, I don't harbor any kind of like anger towards her. And um, I'm at peace, you know, for me, you know, I've let go. And I've, I've also understand the value. I met my wife at that restaurant, you know, we, we, oh, was know, she, like was she working? Was your wife working there? Or? No, she wasn't working there. She was just a person who came in. She would saddle up oh, at the bar. I met great. her there. And I, I, you know, I, I feel like I was influenced a lot of the organic ingredients and like, I was really into veganism at the time, but I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm more into regenerative agriculture, like we mentioned in the ad before. So like, I, I really think it's important for people make the connection or how they feel with what they're eating and what they're putting in their bodies. And I, I feel like that restaurant influenced me and influenced this hot sauce. And, and if it wasn't for that happening, I, I wouldn't be here at Joey's hot sauce. I wouldn't be, you know, launching my brand. I probably would have still been complacent over there in New York. And, and now like, I feel like, you know, the, the momentum of the brand and, and even the documentary has brought more awareness to me and, we're having this conversation well, right now. I was going to say, man, you're leaving out the you're leaving out the biggest thing. You might never have met me. That's right. <laughs> Come on, man. You wouldn't have been at Scopa, and you wouldn't have met me. Uh, That's well, right. Well, listen, man. I a I appreciate your candor regarding the documentary. I'm sure you've been asked about it ad nauseum, but it it is a it is a fascinating story, and I and I you do such a great job in the documentary. I, I really felt for everybody that was you know all the employees there because. There was a, a real sense of loyalty to her, and I think that came through. And you could also feel the sort of the hurt and the confusion. It all kind of came through. And uh, if you haven't seen it yet, check it out. Bad Vegan is on Netflix. More importantly, if you've not tried Joey's Hot Sauce, go to joeyshotsauce.com and get some. Order it Yes, up. and I am going to give a discount code for your audience. Okay. It's Dan 20. I'm going to put it as, is that okay that I put yeah. it in? I can create it. How, Dan 20. Yeah. Does that work? That works. Yeah. Dan okay, 20. D-A-N 20. And you get 20% off of anything on my website. So I'll create that. I'll create that discount code as soon as we get off our call right now. So that's awesome. And I'll, I'll put it on the social media on my Instagram at the imbiber. I'll put a little swipe up there so you can go right to Joe, right to Joey's hot sauce page and Dan 20. Let me write that down because I want to get some hot sauce here. Dan, where'd you come up with the Dan part? Oh, that's me. All right, yeah, Dan, <laughs> 20 for 20% off Joey's hot sauce. Look at that. Just happened. We didn't even plan this ahead of time. I don't know. You know what? I'm going to end the show. I'm not even going to have the thing where I go away and come back. I'm just going to end it because I don't feel like there's anything more to say. Joey Rapice. Rapice. Beautiful. Beautiful. I love it. Joey, it's so good to see you, man. And, and, I'm going to have to get up there to Oregon and visit you one of these days. See how you do it. I'd love that. Coming to a jog with me in the mountains. That's what I do. That's my favorite pastime. Just That's it. Jogging you're looking good, man. You're looking, you're looking healthy, fit. The country living agrees with you, man. Um, but uh, And everybody, I, of course, I know you got a lot of options out there when it comes to podcasts, but I appreciate you taking the time to spend with us. Follow me at The Imbiber. Follow at WWD underscore podcast on Instagram. Joey, where do they find you on the Twitter and the Instagram? joeyshotsauce.com Joey's Hot Sauce on Instagram uh, Facebook even TikTok and uh, next week got Stephen Amell Arrow Stephen Amell played Arrow he's joining us knocking point wines then we got uh, we got uh, Phil Rosenthal somebody feed Phil coming on Scotty Pippen I'm told it's gonna happen with Scotty Pippen we're gonna make that happen I will be uh, on the Adam Carolla show I believe uh, May 18th tune in we're gonna be doing barbecue and booze on the Corolla show and I think that's all I got thank you folks bye later